Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to King Street, featured on A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, hosted by our resident real estate expert, Christopher King. King Street is a show dedicated to informing and educating you on prospering in the new economic downturn or digging yourself out of your own personal crisis. Either way, you've got questions? Well, King Street with Christopher King has got answers. Welcome back, Christopher. What have you got for us today? I have a very exciting show planned for today. Uh, we're going to pretty much continue our discussion for giving homeowners tips to dealing with the current economic crisis. So whether they're facing foreclosure, just behind a mortgage, or just wanted some energy reduction tips, cost-saving strategies, we're going to provide that for them today. So we have a very exciting show lined up. Uh, we're going to have a housing counselor, an executive director from a housing counselor to come on and talk about uh, different foreclosure prevention strategies as it relates to receiving uh, free um, homeownership counseling. We're also going to have a real estate broker come on and talk about the different ways that you can, again, if you fall behind on your mortgage, if you need to sell your home, uh, define different uh, terminology such as short sales. And finally, we're going to have um, someone from the Maryland Housing come on and talk about there's a new program called the Emergency Mortgage Assistance Program, which is designed for homeowners who are who have lost their jobs or unemployed, and what money is out there or what assistance is out there available for them. So it's going to be a very exciting show here today. I'd like to bring up our first guest, as we normally start off our show with um, the mortgage moment, and our resident mortgage lender. Uh, Mr. Jared Brown. Uh, Jared, are you on the line with us today? Uh, yes, I am, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great, Jared. How about yourself? Doing great. All right. You wasn't uh, pretty much impaired from that storm last night, were you? No, not at all. Although it did get a little scary with, uh, I guess, the speed of the wind. Um but no, it, it it actually worked out pretty well. I just stayed in. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart, man. Okay, what do you have for us today for our mortgage tips, or I'm sure our mortgage moment of you know interest rates and just kind of current market conditions? Well, the the rates are pretty much stable. They were stable again this week. Um, 
The 30-year fixed conventional is ranging from 4.625 to roughly about 5%. Uh, and if you go, went with an FHA loan, you should have gotten an interest rate um, somewhere between 4.625 and 4.875. So rates have been pretty stable this week. Hello, Jerry. You still there with us? Yes, I'm here. Okay. And now, how many clients would you say are actually, uh, have you talked to recently who are looking at that arm? Yeah, again, we talked last week about the arm, the FHA arm, and I know that I've got some feedback from some people who say that arm is still a very, a very scary word. <laughs> yes. Um, we, we don't actually have a lot of first time home buyers looking at arms. Uh, most of the time it is the purchaser that already owns a home and they are either selling their current home and moving up in the market and they looking most of the time they would be looking to keep their mortgage payment right around um, the current mortgage payment that they have with their existing home. Uh, then an arm would be an, an option. Um, and for example, this week with the five-year arm, um, you're looking at a rate of somewhere around 3.25% to 3.375%. Um, and for an FHA five-year arm, you're actually looking at 3.625% uh, to 3.875%. So a huge difference in the interest rate um, when you compare it with the 30-year fix. So it can actually drop your mortgage payment by at least a couple of hundred dollars, if not more. And, uh, you know, help help you be able to make that mortgage payment and possibly save some money. Okay, excellent, excellent. And let's really talk about that because I know that um, because it's such a scary word and because people have the impression of the damage an arm can do, let's just kind of quickly define again what an arm is and what are some of the most important things that a person needs to understand about an arm if they're going to uh, use it as an option for a mortgage. Okay, so an arm is is no, also known as an adjustable rate mortgage, and essentially you have a set period that is fixed, and then after that set period um, expires, then the arm is adjustable. So let's give you know look at an example. So if you do a five year arm, that means that the interest rate in your mortgage payment would be fixed for five years, but after the five years it can adjust. So the key to it is understanding how much the arm can adjust after your fixed period. So uh, with a five-year arm, and if it's an FHA arm, most of the time an FHA arm will only reset uh, within one year uh, a maximum of either 1% of the interest rate or 2% of the interest rate. Uh, and that's the key to understanding an arm. And also with conventional arms, you can also have the fixed period, you know, anywhere from three to five to seven years, and in addition to that, it can also reset anywhere from six months to a year. So the key to understanding an arm is knowing when your reset period, um, when, when you, how long it will take your, your arm to reset, whether six months or a year, um, and that's why most of the time, if I'm recommending an arm, you know, I recommend an FHA arm because normally the reset period is a little bit longer. It could be anywhere from one year to two years. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Now, also with that, now what are some of the, the um, let's talk about the downside of an arm. What are okay. some of the cons of an arm? Um, some of the cons of an arm is just that. It's if you're doing looking at staying in your home for 30 years, it means that after that fixed period, the arm can adjust. So there is the potential for your arm for your mortgage payment to go up after that fixed period. That's probably the main uh, con about an arm. That your mortgage can actually go up. Yes. And now within the arm uh, documentation. There's also um, a, a cap, so to speak, of how, how much your arm can go up, correct? Yes, that is correct. So 
the way that it breaks down is if um, you know if you decide to go with an arm, you have a cap on the limit that the arm can increase or decrease within you know that that reset period. Uh, for example, it may be a maximum of five percent. So right now, if you're looking at a five-year arm and a conventional arm, you're looking at three point two five percent. And let's just say it's a five-one arm meaning that it will reset one year after the five years is up. So it will reset on the sixth year. And from there, it can go up a cap of 5%. So the maximum the interest rate could ever go up is to 8.25%. But the thing about it is in most arms, there's a limitation on how much it can go up within that particular year. And that could be anywhere from 1% to 2%. But you really have to look at the arm parameters and talk with your loan officer so that they explain everything in detail about the specific arm that you're going in, going with. Okay, and one last um, comment about the arm, just to make sure that homeowners and home buyers are really clear on this. What would you say it will be the primary difference between an FHA arm and a conventional arm or the arm that uh, – pretty much got the homeowners in trouble. So I guess just to clarify, the conventional arms and FHA arms or the current arm product that's allowed right now is one of the safest arm products available. Number one, when you look at them, they always have a cap of how much the arm can go up. And two, uh, normally when you look at the adjustment period that's also stated. So the arm product that got a lot of people in trouble was um, the subprime arm. So that particular arm had reset parameters that were normally a little different. So you could have uh, an, like a two-year arm. So that particular arm would reset, and this is the subprime arm that I'm talking about, would be fixed for two to three years, and then it would reset. And the thing about it is it could reset every six months or every year, and the maximum that it could cap out was sometimes a little bit higher than the conventional. So it could be 5 to 6%. But the key to it is it may go up 5 to 6% within that six years to an arm, I mean six years to the one-year adjustment period. Um, in addition to that, you sometimes had um, arm balloon uh, mortgages in the subprime phase where after the two years or the three years were were up, it was a balloon payment or a demand payment um, for the entire mortgage balance. Um, so that was how a lot of people got into trouble with the subprime arm um, mortgage products that were available then, or available, you know, two to three years ago. The other arm product that most people are familiar with is the negative amortization mortgage product, um, also known as the pick-up payment loan. So that particular loan, if you made the minimum payment, um, you didn't pay down the principal balance, you actually added to it. So at some point, the, the loan would actually do what's called recast, and when it recasts, it would set your payments at what it would take to pay off that full loan balance within 30 years. Um, so those were the subprime products that got a lot of people in trouble. Those products are a lot different than the arm products that are available today. Um, there's a lot more parameters in place for FHA and conventional arm products that can help somebody reduce their payments, but also give them the comfort to know that, you know, after the fixed period, whether it's three years or five years or seven, depending on the arm product that you choose, that they still have some options to go into either a fixed rate or into another on product by refinancing. Okay, great. Great. All right, well, thank you, Jared. Would you mind sharing your contact information with our listeners so they can get in contact with you if they have any more questions? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, again, my name is Jerry at Brown. I'm a senior loan officer with McLean Mortgage Corporation. Um, my phone number is 301 221-8565 and my email address is jbrown at jerrietbrown.com and that's spelled J-E-R-R-I-E 
A-T-T-B-R-O-W-N. And could you repeat that contact information one last time? There's a little feedback that I received on my end. Oh, okay. It's uh, 301-221-8565. And my email address is jbrown, J-B-R-O-W-N, at jerryatbrown, J-E-R-R-I-E-T-T-B-R-O-W-N.com. Okay, excellent. Excellent. Well, again, thank you, Jerry, for being on the show, and you have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you. We'd like to bring up our next caller, or our next guest, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Donnell Williams from um, Wisdom Mortgage. Donnell, are you with us today? Hello, Donnell, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here, Chris. How are you doing today, Donnell? I'm doing well. How about yourself? We're doing great. Doing great. Thank you for being on King Street. Thank you for having me. Okay, would you mind giving a quick uh, bio of um, who you are so that our listeners can understand and get to know um, who you are, just uh, your comp- your, your name, your company, and which your, your niche or specialty is? Sure. Uh, I'm Donnell Williams with uh, Wisdom Realty, LLC. Uh, we practice out of well, – our office in, is in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Um, our current niche in the market is uh, with foreclosures and short sales. Uh, that's what we've been uh, focusing on primarily, uh, especially in this current market. Okay. Now, with that, let's talk a little bit about um, what you're seeing from the market standpoint of, I would say, the average uh, price of a short sale. Oh, the I'm average sorry. Price let's back up for a second. That's Let's define a short sale so that our listeners can be clear on what the definition of a short sale is. Okay. The um, the definition of a short sale is when the owner... Would you mind explaining what a short sale is? For our- yes. A, a short sale is when an owner does not have enough equity in their property to sell their property without... Uh, and they have to ask for the bank to approve uh, the value. So what I'll give you an example. Uh, you have an owner that purchased a property for $500,000. The market has declined drastically. His property is now only worth $300,000. For some reason, medical reasons, divorce, something, uh, some type of financial hardship occurred in his life where he can no longer afford the mortgage payments. He now will list the property with a real estate agent on the market, but he'll list it at fair market value. So now the property is worth $300,000. We'll list the property for $300,000. And then we'll have to ask his mortgage holder uh, to uh, release him from the the difference so that they can sign off on the lien and sell the property at fair market value. Uh, hence the short sale. He's he's selling it short of what he owes on it. Okay. Now, let's quickly just talk about, uh, from a homeowner's perspective, uh, how that would benefit a homeowner who's um, facing foreclosure. It would definitely benefit a homeowner facing foreclosure. Uh, well, in terms of your, your credit, um, if, if you do get a foreclosure on your credit, that foreclosure will stick with you for seven years or, or longer. Uh, with the short sale, it does show up. Your negative payment or your, your late payments on your on your credit report will show up and will have a negative impact. However, once you once the bank agrees to do the short sale, that uh, it, it still it will show up as paid in full. Um, or the paid, uh, uh, what's the term that they use on it? Um, it's payment satisfied, um, and, and, and it, it's gone. It, they're not, and, um, and so the credit, it's really to preserve their credit. It no longer attacks them for the seven years, as if it, uh, as if a foreclosure would. Now let me ask you that, because um, from my understanding, that is that a, a default, or is that? It's something that has to be negotiated with the terms of the lender when you're doing a short sale as far as how they would go back and report that to on the credit. Uh, normally, it's a default. They normally because it's it, they they accept. It's almost like um, a, a collection agency. Um, when you do a negotiate, when you negotiate to pay, you know you know you owe this. You know you owe a thousand dollars, but you negotiate to pay. Um, but you negotiate to pay five hundred, and they'll stop everything, and they'll show it'll show up as payment satisfied. 
it does take some negotiations with that to make sure, to ensure it. Uh, that's why we always uh, have a, a, some type of legal team that works with us uh, in doing our short sales to make sure that the homeowner uh, has the most protection in terms of negotiating that aspect of it, uh, of doing their short sale. However, nine times out of ten, uh, and actually 100% of the time from the short sales that we've done, it shows up on their credit as uh, payment satisfied. They're not, they're, 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 that hundred thousand dollars that he owes, they're not showing up as they're still owning it on the credit report. Okay, and let's talk about that hundred thousand dollars, which I understand is the efficiency statement. And how is it handled? Does the lender come back after the homeowner for that additional amount, or how, I will how is say, it? I've I've seen and since two, I've been doing short sales in two thousand seven. I've only seen one time where the lender has actually, um, they haven't really came after the deficiency, they threatened the deficiency statement. They wanted the young lady to come up with either uh, $7,000, um, $7,000, or she would make monthly payments for the next 10 years of $100 um, to satisfy the difference that the, that the investor was taking a loss on. Um, now, that the bank does have a right to go after deficiency. The attorney can try his best to negotiate that there be no deficiency and get it in writing. Um, that occurs almost 80% of the time. And then sometimes you get just a, a straight uh, short sale approval with no mention of deficiency. In that situation, the bank does have the right to file it to come after you for the deficiency. Um, but nine times, nine times out of ten, it, they just haven't had time to do it, and a lot of homeowners have. I haven't seen homeowners been uh, faced with a, a deficiency. Okay, and just uh, I wanted to define an efficiency for our homeowners. That's pretty much a difference between what they owed on their mortgage and what the property was actually sold for. And use example Absolutely. of owing three hundred thousand dollars and the property being sold for a hundred thousand dollars, and so that. That I mean, being sold for two hundred thousand dollars. Sorry, and so that difference between three hundred thousand dollars and two hundred thousand dollars is that hundred thousand dollar deficiency. Exactly. Now, what is the turnaround time? Again, let's take it from the context that I'm a homeowner. I'm facing foreclosure. Uh, I know that I can't afford to keep my property, and now I come to you as a broker and I want to sell my property. What would you say is the typical amount of time it has to pass between the time I come to you as the homeowner and to the time that my property is actually uh, sold? That can, I'll be honest with you, Chris, that can take anywhere between 120 days to, uh, we've had them all the way go up to almost a year. To t Actually, I'm sorry, the longest one we've done was almost 24 months. Um, in terms of you, you, you meet with me, we put the property on the market, we find a, a, a we find a purchaser to purchase your property, and now we're negotiating with the bank. We get the bank approval, and then we go to settlement. Sometimes that can take. Uh, uh, we've seen it done in 120 days uh, at the earliest, and I've seen it take all the way up to uh, two years. Okay. Now, what, as a homeowner, if it takes two years, going with the extreme that you just said there, uh, am I still in my property or? Typically, or do, do I have to move out? Have I been evicted, or what, what would I be? I'll be this particular homeowner. We we and it, it's all we stayed in contact with the bank on a regular basis, um, and the bank uh, did not pursue or did not exercise their right to do a foreclosure on that particular person uh, because they were doing because they were in the midst of a short sale. Um, and they were in constant contact. We had to constantly update the banks with the market value and things of that nature. So that that homeowner actually occupied that property the entire time. Okay, and were they still making mortgage payments during that time frame? Uh, unfortunately, they uh, unfortunately they were absolutely insolvent. They could not afford to make mortgage payments. And so, in essence, they were able to just pretty much stay there for two years, um, mortgage free, until their property was sold. In a nutshell, yes. I mean, they still had to, they were still responsible for the utilities and things of that nature to to uh, to maintain the property. That that was a requirement. They still had to maintain the property in a marketable condition. Um, but yes, in a nutshell. Okay. Now let's talk about uh, just some market conditions. Now that now that we define what a short sale is, and we talked about um, how that pretty that process pretty much works. Uh, let's talk about 
what are you seeing as the average uh, price uh, of being properties being? And I know that you know the prices are definitely um, uh, neighborhood determined. Um, you know, for example, I know D.C. may be different than uh, Maryland, and of course within Maryland, Prince George's County may be different than McGovern County. But let's let's say that we're going to be in Prince. We're going to focus on Prince George's County right now. Okay. What would you say the average short sale price? Which did you see? And let's talk about a three bedroom, two bathroom home. And we're talking about single family, a single family detached. Yes, let's go with single family detached as well. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, there it's going to be a, a huge range, Chris. Uh, but you're looking at the average uh, single family three bedroom, two de- uh, detached, um, and you're talking about and. Moving ready condition, or we're talking about we need some repairs. You know, I, I'm sorry to ask these questions, but it, the, the values are all over the place here in PG County. Well, no, no, I, I appreciate you asking those questions because again, I give the listeners a better idea of of uh, what has to go into answering that type of question. It's not just a straightforward answer, so I appreciate you asking that. But since you've asked that, let's say moving ready. Moving ready. You're looking at anywhere between, in PG County, single-family detached, you're looking at about, and this all area-based, but on, on average, you're looking at anywhere between uh, 225 to about uh, to, to 325 depending on, you know, square footage and location um, for uh, the average short sale uh, in, in a marketable condition is three bedrooms. I mean, in moving-ready condition. Okay. All right. Now, uh, 225. You said the 325. Okay, so now let's uh, look at it from. Let's kind of take a step back from a single family, and let's say that we're going to kind of step on a homeowner. I'm sorry, the home buyer side for a second. And I just want mm-hmm. to know if um, a person is just getting into the market, buying their first property. Uh, what would they expect if they if they're looking to um, purchase a short sale property? What would you say? And, and I know. Let me let me be the more specific with my parameters with that as well. Let's say a person makes about $40,000 a year and they can afford a maybe a um, a $900 a month mortgage. Uh, what would you, is there any short sales that they can actually get into and, and think in the market that they actually can qualify for? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there, I mean, unfortunately, the value range in, in our county is just, you know, it's, it, it's I can't describe it. it it's kind of, all over the place, but there are properties out there. We actually have a client uh, that we're currently working with right now that is that falls right in that price range, and we are showing and I'm showing her properties uh, that are out there. They're just not. I mean, she she's already came, she's already come to the conclusion that she's going to have to do she's going to have to put some elbow grease into her property. That she's going to have to you know either you know she's going to have to do some type of work. She's going to have to get rid of you know the cost. She's going to look past the cosmetics that the property has. But there's absolutely properties. A significant amount of properties in that price range in our county. What would you say would be the bottom of the market, um, the lowest uh, property uh, properties for sale right now on the on a real estate market in the in our area, DC metropolitan area? Where you, you ask me for a location or just a, a price range? Just a price range. Um, I'm seeing things, and I'll be honest with you, I'm seeing single families uh, go for almost uh, single family detached. Um, and Prezi County uh, go for you know anywhere between uh, I think thirty five thousand dollars we've we've seen we've actually sold one for forty thousand dollars a two bedroom single family detached two level home. Did you say forty thousand dollars? Yes, sir. I can email you the MLS. <laughs> forty thousand dollars. <laughs> that's a, that's the price of a car. Actually, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now I, I, I know that probably. I know that probably had to have some um, uh, major re- uh, rehab work, correct? No, absolutely not. This one was a short sale, and it was in moving ready condition. Hmm, that's interesting. Location, so, it's location, location, location. That's what's determining the value. If there's a high concentration of foreclosures or short sales in one community, it can have a negative impact on the values. Okay, all right. That's very interesting. Forty thousand dollars been an entry point. I know that's kind of a a rarity. I, would you say? I mean, I know there's not a lot of properties uh, that are available for under hundred thousand dollars. Is that correct, or is it not correct? There's. 
I'll say this: there now a lot of properties move in condition under a hundred thousand dollars. Absolutely not. I mean, now those that that one was a, a rarity, um, but you can find uh, properties under a hundred thousand dollars that just need some uh, elbow grease. Okay. Well, see, as, as much as I would love to keep uh, delving into that, I, I kind of want to get back on the topic of of homeowners now. You know, I kind of switched to the home buyer just uh, <laughs> to give the people an idea of what the market conditions were. But now we talked we talked about short sales. Let's talk about uh, now a homeowner. Uh, what happens in the case that a homeowner can't sell their property as a short sale? What options available for them at that point? I'm going to tell you this, uh, Chris. In, in this, in, from 2007 when I first started uh, dealing with short sales uh, to now, the banks that have uh, that funded those loans have changed drastically. I will tell any homeowner now that if they cannot do a short sale, that you absolutely have to be. Don't be afraid to contact the banks. But I guess to answer your question, worst case scenario, this is if you, if this is how it works. Worst case scenario, you will go into foreclosure. Your property will be foreclosed on. The bank will recover the asset at at, at, at the uh, sheriff's auction. They will do all the legal paperwork and they'll send out an agent uh, who will check for vacancy status. Uh, that agent will determine whether or not you're occupying the property. And if, if you are occupying the property, they normally will offer you some type of incentive or some type of cash incentive for you to move out the property quickly, and it is what they call a cash for keys. And they'll give you a certain amount of money to get out of the property and turn over the property without doing any damage to the property. Um, and, you, and that's that's probably the the way that things are going now. However, what I've noticed is that banks are actually trying not to, trying to prevent foreclosures, and are trying their hardest to allow short sales to go through. So if you if if they have not foreclosed on your property, um, and this is just speaking to any homeowners in distress right now, if they have not foreclosed on your property, uh, or they have not sent you any foreclosure sale date, contact the bank and just tell them that you would like to ex- to do a short sale, and I'm pretty sure they'll try to work something out with you. Okay, now I know that again going with the short sale, that if a homeowner uh, wants to do that and they were, were to contact you. Uh, is short sale is pretty much predicated on a buyer buying that property, correct? Absolutely. And so what if the home buyer or the homeowner who now wants to do a short sale and they contact their bank and the bank, I guess, uh, accepts that or agrees with that, it, are the banks typically willing to allow that time to happen to, for them to find a buyer or who can actually buy the property? Uh, and it, as you say, it could take as, as much as 24 months. Are the banks typically now what you're saying, willing to wait and be patient for the 24-month period? Well, I'll tell you this. There there are programs out there now um, that banks are starting to to put into place. Um, And I I can't say that every bank will give you 24 months to sell a property. Uh, but what I will say is that if a bank, if you can, if you can just get a buyer to buy your, if you can, if you can market your property quickly, and you can obtain a contract on your property, and you can submit it to the bank, the bank will be more than willing to review that offer before they pay all that money to do a to to go forward with a foreclosure. Okay, and now you actually just brought up something else that um uh, I think is a very interesting point to touch on. Now. Let's say this. Let's use a case study. I'm a homeowner. Uh, my house, mm-hmm. um, I owe $250,000 on my mortgage. And I realize I cannot afford it. Um, I can't keep up with the payment. So I come to you and I say, uh, help me uh, with my property uh, from a short sale. I understand that there's this terminology called a short sale. I want to look at uh, selling my property as a short sale. Can you kind of walk me through uh, some of what the process would be from there. Okay. The first process is to we would to be, you know, any responsible agent would definitely meet with that person. Um and, and first find out why they are attempting to do a short sale. What financial hardship caused the short sale? Because you again, if some people are doing strategic defaults and the banks are frowned upon that. But if you actually have a hardship and there's a reason and we can explain that, then we can move forward to stage one. So we just first is to, to do an interview and find out what caused your hardship and to get them to explain it to us and to also write a hardship letter. 
the second step is to go in and determine is to determine value of the property. Uh, once we determine the value of the property, we will then tell them. I know, um, Mr. Chris, that you purchased this property uh, for uh, three hundred thousand dollars. It's now only worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Here's what we need to list this property at to sell it quickly to to keep it from going into foreclosure, and we'll give them the recommended list price. We'll then market the property as if, as if it's a regular sale, also disclosing to anybody else looking at the property that this is a short sale, and that that list price that we have listed is subject to third-party approval, third-party being the bank or the mortgage holder approving that um, approving that list price. Uh, so then offers will start coming. Offers will come over. We will present the offers to them as if they as if they were still. Um, we'll present the offers to them. They will sign the offer and turn it, and it would then it'll be turned into a contract. At that time, we'll send that ratified contract up to the bank for approval. Now that approval process could take anywhere between sixty to ninety days for them to go through and review it. And with that, they'll ask for a, a lot of documentation uh, from the homeowner in terms of their financial stability that we'll have to present to them just so that they can determine whether or not they will approve them for a short sale. Uh, once that's done, and we let's just say we're going through a perfect short sale, uh, they will issue us an approval letter, and the approval letter will approve the um, the minimum amount of net proceeds that the bank will accept, and then we will take that and we will, and then we have the uh, ability to close on it as if it's a regular sale, a regular transaction. Okay. Okay, well, thank you for explaining that. And I think that really gives a lot of clarity to our listeners. Now, I know we spent uh, pretty much most of our conversation today talking about a short sale. We didn't get a chance, and I, I want to quickly talk about um, real REO properties and foreclosed properties. And then you can kind of uh, take me from, okay, well, the difference between a short sale and a foreclosure property. You can define that first. Okay. Um, the difference between a short sale and a foreclosed property—they're both considered—they're both considered distressed properties in, in in our in our market. However, a foreclosure or REO, real estate-owned property, is actually the the owner of the mortgage has exercised their right to foreclose on the property and has taken the property back in their inventory to, to and to sell it to recover their losses. So the actual bank is now your owner. The actual bank now has the title and the right to sell that property. Whereas with a short sale, the homeowner still has all the rights to sell that property. Okay. So typically in a short sale, would you say that the owner is of the property is still living in that property more likely if a uh, home buyer wants to buy a short sale? They, they pretty much, even though it has to be a third-party approval, as you said, but the homeowner is still living in the property. Nine times out of ten, most homeowners are still occupying the property in a short sale. And with a with the REO, the property is typically vacant, correct? The property is typically vacant, yes. Okay. Now, what have you seen from just the market uh, conditions from as it relates to foreclosed properties? Uh, again, just being the bottom of the market uh, to the top of the market and extreme. Um. With foreclosures and short sales are actually running the same in value, um, and I, I'll be honest. The highest uh, I've sold a property in, in Wood, I mean, in uh, Fairwood, and this is all the way at the peak of the market. I mean, it's not at the peak of the market, but this is this is one of the a high end property that we sold um, that originally sold for eight hundred and I'm sorry, it, it originally sold for six hundred twenty five thousand dollars. We ended up recovering only four hundred twenty five thousand dollars because of the way that the market. Um, the way that the market had changed, um, and then on the low end, you still have those. You really can get uh, some really nice deals in the in, in about fifty thousand or so that that are REOs. Did you say you fifty thousand? Yes, you just have to be. It's, it's all about the location and whether whether or not you want to uh, live in the location, and also are you willing to do any type of work to the property? Hmm. Okay. And there's also loan programs out there that are available to homeowners, uh, such as the FHA 203K, that will definitely give them, if if they are qualified to do FHA 203K, then I would definitely look at foreclosures 
um, because you can go in and pretty much they'll give you the renovation dollars to make that property uh, and to get all of the, to you know to make that property look uh, beautiful again. Okay. Okay. Now, what advice would you give our homeowners out there right now who are um, facing foreclosure? What, what advice would you give them if they came into you or they wanted to call a business and are seeking assistance? I'm sorry, Chris. You, you broke uh, you broke up a little bit. What advice would you give homeowners uh, and, and they're facing foreclosure? What advice would you uh, want to share with our listeners? Um, well, the number one thing that I, you, I want to tell uh, the listeners that if any listeners are facing um, foreclosure or anything, you want to contact the bank and let them know that you are facing a hardship. You do not want to continue to ignore the fact that you have a that that, that this problem is is happening to you. You want to be proactive as much as possible. So the first thing you want to do is contact the bank, contact the realtor, contact an attorney. Um, and, and see where all, you want to go through, and, and all of those people, the attorney as well as the realtor, can explore all your options with you, um, so that you know what your options are. Many times, people are so uh, so scared by what the banks are sending them in writing that they're afraid to even explore all their options. Contact the bank, let them know that you're facing a hardship. That's number one. Two, contact a, a local realtor and or a real estate attorney. Uh, and they will be able to get, explore all of your options with you. You want to know all of your options. Okay. Thank you, Donnell. Now, would you please uh, provide our callers with your contact information in case they want to get in contact with you and ask us more questions? Sure. Uh, my contact information, uh, the office phone number uh, is 301-567-1193. And you can reach us on the web at www.wisdom-realty.com. And you can also email us at info at wisdom-realty.com. And could you repeat that one more time, please? Sure. Uh, you can reach us at 301-567-1193. Uh, you can also reach us on the web at www.wisdom-realty.com. And you can also email us at info at wisdom-realty.com. Okay. Thank you, Donnell, for being on King Street. And we definitely look forward to having you on again. We, we really can dedicate a full hour to really discussing this issue. I see you have a lot of information, a lot of experience. And we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Uh, thanks for having me, Chris. You're welcome. Well, now we're going to transition on King Street to our next guest uh, by the name of Donna Hurley, from HOPE, which is Housing Options Planning Enterprise, a HUD-approved uh, housing, um, housing counseling agency. Um, Ms. Hurley, are you with us today? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Ms. Hurley. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Okay. Well, what we want to talk about here on King Street, we want where uh, this show is dedicated, or this, this episode is dedicated to homeowners who may actually be facing foreclosure or behind their mortgage, and we just want to uh, talk about some options that are available for them. Great. First of all, I would like to say that um, the the one option that a lot of people are not aware of is that housing counseling agencies are available to assist individuals in um, mediating or working with their servicers to help them through the process. Um, recently, a study has been done to show the percentage of the success rate of um, when an individual works with a counselor versus them um, trying to submit a modification or work out on their own. So we have a, a much greater success where basically when, when an individual works with a housing counseling agency, their um, success rate of obtaining, obtaining a modification is 55% versus when they're working by themselves their um, rate is closer to about 38%. Um, statistics are also showing that the likelihood of the individual being successful in that workout um, of 64% when working with a housing counseling agency. So numbers aren't great. You know, we would like to see that people are 100% when they receive a modification, but the reality is that things still happen and people are not always successful. Um, in 
in the state of Maryland right now, there's several programs that are available to help individuals. One being um, we now have the emergency mortgage assistance, which help individuals who are um, unemployed or underemployed. Um, so that just became effective this month or within the last week or so, and we're still waiting on the funding and the you know um, to be made available. We also have pro bono attorneys that assist individuals in helping them to um, when we're working with um, an individual and um, we're having some resistance with the servicer, we can refer them to the um, a pro bono attorney. Also in the state of Maryland, there's a mediation process where um, the uh, no one can be foreclosed on as of July 2010 without um, being given the option of receiving mediation with a um, with the servicer, someone representing the servicer, and a third party to kind of negotiate or mediate through the process to make sure that the that all remedies are being reached or attempted. So those okay, are the so major there's... things that are happening in in the state of Maryland right now. Okay, and what would you say of a home buyer? Uh, I'm sorry, a homeowner who is facing foreclosure. What would you say would be the typical um, turnaround time? for them getting in contact or, or receiving assistance with a housing counseling agency? In our agency, we meet um, once a month. We have a, a what we call a, a home retention workshop, and we decided to do a group session because we were um, kind of experiencing a, a delay or a backlog in, in seeing clients. And by having our group sessions once a month, we're able to bring people in in a group setting um, and educate them on the process so we're able to explain to them what's going on, what's anticipate, the diff- different options, because a modification is not the only option and, you know, it's not always a remedy. Um, so we explain to them all the different options, forbearance, you know, repayment plan, um, the uh, partial claims, as well as the modification. So we bring them in in the um, class setting for the individuals who have a notice of intent, we try and schedule them in within the same, you know, um, few days or within a week. Okay. Now, what would you like to see home, or what advice would you give homeowners who um, come to your workshops or uh, seeking your assistance? What would, how should they be prepared? Um, they need to be very proactive, and they also have to take accountability. Um, when when they come to us, we need them to bring all the requested documents um, that we ask for and to be very proactive in updating, you know, uh, providing us with updated pay stuff, bank statements. The reality is, is that the servicer does not respond or approve the amount of uh, a workout within a, a, a short period of time. Sometimes it could be three, six months, sometimes even longer than that. So while we're working with the servicer, we need the individual to to be um, proactive in providing us with the updated documentation and also contacting the servicer. Don't, you know, um, leave it totally to us. They have to be engaged in the process. Okay. They have to be engaged in the process. And what would you say, um, just from an average of um, homeowners that come seek assistance, uh, how many would you say are fit that um, description of being engaged in the process and being prepared? Unfortunately, a small percentage. Uh, many of them come to us um, at the last hour um, at when they've received the notice of intent, not when they initially um, realize that they're going to experience a hardship. And I realized um, a year or so before, um, you know, the servicer was saying you had to be in default. Well, that's not the case anymore. If an individual realizes they're going to experience a hardship, they're now calling it imminent default, that you know you're going to experience a hardship. You know you're about to get laid off. You know something is going to occur that you're not going to be able to afford the mortgage. Then even at that point, you can, um, they can seek housing counseling service to help them to, to, submit their, to get their paperwork submitted. But unfortunately, we get a lot of people who wait until they've received the notice of intent, um, or the, the foreclosure notice a day or a week, you know, beforehand, and uh, and it's hard to to work through the process when you don't have enough time to, um, because the services are backlog and 
and they have a, a, a you know, is not a very timely process. Okay. And now um, we had a, a uh, attorney on last week, and she suggested that homeowners should contact attorneys first. And what I wanted to do is um, not contradict that, but I wanted to offer another option for homeowners. And what would you recommend that homeowners, who the homeowners should contact uh, first when they realize that they're they're falling behind on their mortgage? A homeowner should always contact a HUD-approved counseling agency first for several reasons. One, we have charged no fee. The, um, our service is free to the homeowner. Two, we have the resources to the pro bono attorneys. We have the resources from the state um, and, and the servicers. Um, preference is to work with a HUD-approved counseling agency, a nonprofit organization, versus a for-profit or an attorney. And because we're, you know, involved, uh, an attorney cannot qualify you, an individual, the emergency mortgage assistance. It's a program that's through Maryland State that means they have to go through a housing counseling agency to get it. So a lot of the programs are not geared or set up for. Um, they're, they're, they're for the nonprofit housing counseling agency to work with the servicers to, with the servicer and with the individuals to become, to qualify them for the programs. Okay, and um, to your knowledge, uh, are you aware, I know you, you said the Emergency Mortgage Assistance Program is definitely in Maryland. Uh, is that also a nationwide program, to your knowledge? It is. It was um, uh, approved by HUD. Um, so it is a HUD. Um, the funding is coming from HUD. Um, so it is uh, a national program. And I think um, D.C., I believe, have had it for some time, and it's just becoming available in Maryland within, like I said, within the last week or so. Would you know uh, a, a reference site of, so because some of our listeners are actually located um, throughout the various states where they can actually go on information and see if their program is available in their particular state? I'm sorry. I do not have the number with me. The um, the HOPE Now, um, I, I would say, would probably be a website that people could look at and that's hopenow.org, and that should give you all the information on um, on the different programs that are available. That is the national um, program, hopenow.org. But I don't, do okay. not know the phone number offhand. Okay, and I know that you were you had very limited time today, Ms. Hurley, and I, def, I definitely appreciate you joining King Street, and I would like to um, schedule time with you in the future where we can set up a time to really – go through in depth about the different programs, because you mentioned several different programs. I know that today we don't have time to go into each program, the pros and cons, and how the how those programs are pretty much um, what the eligibility requirements would be. But uh, what I would like you to do uh, is just please uh, provide our listeners your contact information if they want to contact you for more additional information for right now. Absolutely. Thank you. The office phone number is 301-567. 3330 and our website is hopefinancial.org. Again, that's hopefinancial.org. And the phone number is 301-567-3330. Again, Ms. Hurley, thank you for being on King Street, and you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. Now, we've had two callers or two guests talk about uh, one being a real estate broker, one being a housing counselor. Now we want to go to our um, resident home buyer and um, homeowner to talk about different tips, uh, savings that current homeowners who might not necessarily be facing foreclosure, but who are looking to just reduce some of their uh, costs and their expenses so they could avoid foreclosure. And so right now we would like to introduce our new segment called Miko's Tips. Uh, Miko, are you available? Yes, I am. How are you doing today, Miko? Great, and you? I'm doing great. What tips do you have today for our homeowners? Okay, tip number one is to remember to use coupons when you go to the stores. Uh, tip number two is to remember to budget before, during, and after the home buying process. Tip three is to try and cook more at home so you can save money towards your, your home. Uh, tip number four, 
is make sure you get into the habit of turning off your appliances in your home so that you can save on energy. And tip number five would be to make sure that you're you're basically doing all your research on any documents you receive about your home. Okay. Those are some valuable tips, um, particularly the, the tips about coupons, because the grocery bills uh, have gotten to be pretty expensive nowadays. And oh, do you have any? Uh, would you have any suggestions of where they can get coupons from, or where uh, would you refer them to sources for getting coupons? Um, if they were to do a Google search, they can Google in um, coupons for grocery stores, and I'm sure they'll get a full listing of a bunch of places that. Um, would come up with that information, and then also in your regular um, Sunday newspaper, there's clippings in there as well that they can use and take to the store with them. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Miko, for Miko's tips. We, our listeners, definitely appreciate it. And I know that I appreciate it, and I'm going to actually incorporate adding more coupons or using the coupons prior to going to the grocery stores myself. And now, in this last segment of uh, King Street, we'll like to discuss, uh, we call this the credit tip hour, and different tips to help you go about understanding how to manage your credit and improve your credit. And some of the best ways to improve your credit will be, number one, to pay your bills on time. On-time payments is one of the best methods of keeping a credit score uh, current and good, as well as improving your credit score. Uh, only two things can really improve your credit score, and that's time and money. Uh, time to establish the monthly payments and uh, good monthly payments, and then money to pay down debt. So that's number tip number two would be uh, focus on paying down your debt to a reasonable uh, level. Now, what's termed as a reasonable level typically is keeping your debts, uh, particularly as it relates to revolving debt, which is current card credit cards down to about 30% of the limit. So in other words, if your limit, just using simple math, if your limit is a, it's $1,000 on your credit card, your um, balance on your credit card should never exceed $300. So you should never carry a balance more than $300, which is 30% of that credit limit. Tip number three, of course, would be to uh, keep accounts with good payment histories open. Uh, in other words, you want to keep your accounts open as long as you can that you have good payment histories with. Uh, payment histories are, make up about 15% of your credit scores. I'm sorry, uh, the length of how long you had account open, so account history makes up about 15% of your, your credit score. So it's important to keep your accounts um, open as long as you can, those with good payment history. And now we're going to bring King Street to a close. Again, I'm your host, Christopher King with King Street. You can get more information about... Uh, King Street by going to www.rrshelps.com and clicking on the King Street tab and the number is 301-433-4147. Again, thank you for listening in and tuning in to King Street and you all have a wonderful day. Thank you.